young parents knelt down with their daughter to pray before bedtime and she started in and said, Dear Harold, please bless mommy and daddy. And her father stopped her and said, What are you doing? And she said, I'm praying. And and he said, Well, who are you praying to? And she said, Harold. And and he was confused and said, Who's Harold? And And his daughter said, well, I guess it's God. The pastor this morning at church had us all pray, our Father who art in heaven, Harold, be thy name. No, God's name isn't Harold. The term in the second phrase of the Lord's Prayer is hallowed, right? Hallowed be thy thy name, your name, depending on how King Jamesy you like to talk, right? But but since we don't usually use that term hallowed uh, in our common language, uh, I figure we should probably try to unlock this uh, phrase and all that it means as we continue to walk through this series, Praying with Jesus, uh, focused on the uh, the Lord's prayer. I want us today to uh, to recite that prayer together. In reciting that prayer, we're quoting from, from Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Uh, this week, I've got it up here in the more traditional King James rendering, uh, and uh, so we'll, uh, we'll follow along and pray that together as we read our scripture this morning. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Names are important. I I try to do my best to remember names and to pronounce them correctly. I don't always succeed. You you might know that I uh, uh, substitute teach every once in a while, and uh, it, it seems like as a sub, the most important thing that I do... I mean, it seems like it because it's always there. I've got to do it every time, and that is take attendance. For some reason, this is the thing. We've got to take attendance. Even if they've taken attendance, we've got to make sure the kids are there, right? And so we, uh, first on the plans, as the teacher writes them out, we're going to do this, this, and this. But, but first, before you do that, you've got this, uh, this list or this seating chart, and uh, you've got to take attendance. So that's what I do. I, I take attendance, and invariably, there are two or three names on that list that I get wrong. Uh, maybe it's because of creative spelling or probably more likely my own ineptitude, right? But uh, usually in every class period, some kid is getting his or her name butchered because I just am not doing it right. And I hate that because I know how important names are. Uh, I mean, your name is is the main part of your identity, right? When when someone says your name, they're not just using a word, uh, they're referring to who you are. Uh, a name describes your personality and, and a relationship and a, a, a temperament, a, a career, a stage in life. When you say that name, all of those things kind of, kind of come to, oh, I know that person. Because I know that name, all of those things about our identity comes to play as well. When you, when you say a name, you think about a specific person and what that person is like. Names are important. And so when Jesus invites us to pray, hallowed be your name, he's helping us understand who God is and what God is like. To hallow something 
means to make it holy, uh, to set it apart as sacred, to purify or cleanse. So including this phrase in Jesus' prayer, right up front, right after the, our Father which art in heaven, right, just right up there in the, in the initial sentence, uh, uh, Jesus is, is uh, uh, I- inviting us there and emphasizing the fact that the key ingredient, one key ingredient of God's character is that he is holy. Growing up, I had... Um, I had more than one pair of jeans that had, uh, had holes in them. They were tired and worn out. They'd probably been handed down from my brother. Uh, now, these days, you have to pay extra to get the holes in the jeans, right? And you buy them outright. I earned the holes in my jeans, okay? And it wasn't all from kneeling and praying so much. I was just, yeah, anyway. I, so, so the kitschy little joke in our family uh, was that those were my church pants because they were holy see there yeah you're tracking with me there you go you guys are are as uh yeah groaner as as, as i am i guess but uh, the truth was that my parents would would never have thought of uh, of even considering allowing us to wear uh wear uh, even brand new jeans to church in those days let alone ones with holes in them right right why because because church clothes were special I mean, there used to be a term uh, for people. I don't know that we use it much anymore, but you're wearing your good clothes. You're dressed in your Sunday best, right? Because that, that was, we set aside that outfit was for, was for uh, Sunday go to meeting. Is that, do we, we rely with, yeah, you can, okay, yeah, there we go. Now, I'm not advocating that we go back to that as I stand here with my jeans and my untucked shirt, right? We, uh, we're, I'm, I'm not advocating that. I'm merely illustrating what it means to, to set aside something as unique or, or special. And throughout the Bible, down through church history, many things have been consecrated to God, set apart as holy, set apart for God's use. In, in the tabernacle or the temple, they had holy elements that, like the, the candlesticks and the, the, the platters and the bread and the altar uh, in the inner sanctum there, right? The holy of holies. They, these things and these spaces were, were set aside as special uh, uh, and pure and holy because they were used to honor and worship God who is holy. And so when we pray, Jesus wants us to remember that we're not only praying to our Father, which we talked about last week, our, our Papa, right, with this close intimate connection where we can crawl up in his lap and, and, uh, and sense his love and compassion and, and grace. We're not only praying to God our Father, but, but we're also praying to a holy God who is pure and righteous and good. As we pray with Jesus, we're reminding ourselves of God's his holiness we must revere his name who he is one of the ten commandments uh, is is that we not take the lord's name in vain right uh, along these same lines that it should be holy and not to be taken in vain back in biblical times the, the hebrew people went to extremes to avoid even saying the the, the name of god because they didn't want to be guilty of of somehow possibly uh, using it in vain or or misusing that name the the, the hebrew uh, uh four letter name for god y h w h how we would pronounce yahweh well they wouldn't have said that uh, they, they didn't speak that out loud uh, just the high priest in the in the temple could 
could do that. English translations of the Bible usually translate that as Jehovah, or, uh, or many times, maybe you've seen in, in uh, primarily in the Psalms, but other places too, you see Lord, but it's all lower, uh, it's uppercase but small. Uh, that is the, the translation for that, uh, uh, for that YHW, that, that Yahweh, that, that, that holy name of God. We don't want to use it in vain, so, so tradition has uh, uh, gone to the, the extreme of not even using it at all, but substituting it with something else. In our culture today, that commandment, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain, has resulted in a, in a rule in many Christian homes of avoiding saying, oh my God, right, uh, as an expression. We, we certainly shouldn't use God's name as an expletive, right? That is one, uh, one way that we uh, may, uh, that, that people, to, that it is very common for people to use God's name, just using it flippantly, uh, um, and uh, we, sh- we shouldn't do that. But it, it, it's also more than that, though, right? Just avoiding using God's name as a curse word isn't, uh, isn't, isn't the whole point. One way that we take God's name in vain is to treat God as common or ordinary instead of holy. This phrase in the, in the Lord's Prayer calls us then to worship. Right, it's it's right up toward the beginning. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a, a challenge for us to worship our holy God. Yes, God is our Father. Yes, He loves us and He extends His compassion and His grace to us. Also, He is holy and righteous and deserving of our worship. Worship is defined in the dictionary as quote adoration, devotion, and respect given to a deity. Worship, this, this respect and acknowledgement of God's holiness, uh, has to be a key component of our, of our prayer lives. Worship isn't just the song that, songs that we sing or the service that we attend. We worship God as we pray with Jesus. It's, it's, it's part of the instruction that Jesus has said. How do we pray? How should we pray? Well, it includes, hallowed be thy name. It includes an element of worship. Worship should be a, a key component of our individual and corporate prayer lives. It, it should be part of our prayers. Do you start off uh, uh, your prayers with worshiping God? Usually we jump right into asking for things, right? And uh, dear God, uh, oh yeah, good to see you. Um, here's my list, right? And, but but uh, uh, in Jesus' example, if we're going to pray with Jesus, if we're going to pray like Jesus, if we're going to follow what he is teaching us here, He shows us that we would do well to remind ourselves of God's holiness as we approach him in prayer. But there's still more. Uh, This this phrase, hallowed be your name, isn't just a statement about God that we need to insert at the top of our prayers. Scholars agree that this is not just a, a statement of fact, but it's more of a request that, that God would hallow his name, that it's, it's like a verb, that, that uh, uh, it, it doesn't just mean you are holy, that's, that's certainly part of it, and we need to worship God because he is holy. It's not just, well, your name is, is holy, it technically means make your name holy. It's a, it's a yearning as we pray that God's name would be kept holy in our lives and and it's here that we begin to see that this is more than just not cussing a little i mean don't cuss even a little but but it's more than than that this this is not uh this this is all about uh praying that as we live our lives that that people would see god's character his name his holiness in us 
Dr. D. Freeborn once wrote, taking the Lord's name in vain is the sin of living in contradiction to that holy name. To profane his name is to live in such a way that others are unable to know God as he really is. I mean, it almost seems easy to just avoid saying a phrase, oh my God, right? Oh, I can, I can do that and still have my heart uh, be pretty corrupt. This says <laughs> that live, uh, taking the Lord's name in vain is a whole lot more, uh, a whole lot deeper than that. Living in contradiction to God's character. Praying the Lord's Prayer means that we deeply desire to live in such a way that the essence of God's nature is on display in the choices that we make, in the words that we use, in the attitudes that we have, in how we live our lives. God, uh, God's name, God's character, God's holiness is seen in us. God has been calling people to this holy life for, for a long time now, and it's it's not always been easy. It's, uh, we see throughout scripture that it's, it's kind of a challenge. The, the Old Testament book of Ezekiel spells out God's concern for his holy name and, and his disappointment in how his people were living up to that name. Uh, how they were living was blemishing his name, blemishing his reputation. Ezekiel 36, verses 22 and 23. Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says, It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you've gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. Here's here's the thing. God's name will be hallowed. The question is simply whether it will be hallowed through your life or not. If you're praying, hallowed be thy name, it's a commitment to allow God's name to be hallowed through you. Praying this prayer and meaning it expresses your intention to live a holy life, a life reflecting the character of God. Uh, Some people have looked at the Lord's Prayer and and, uh, almost criticized it or or said, yeah, it's it's a great prayer, but it doesn't include everything. There's nothing in there about about holiness and stuff, about us living holy lives, but but it's really all impacted right here. Hallowed be your name is not just a statement of fact. It's a deep desire for God to make you holy because he's going to live his, uh, his life through you and others will see him in you. Martin Luther once observed that a stone laying out in the August sun doesn't need to be commanded to be warm, right? Being warm is just the natural byproduct of the relationship. Sun, uh, sun rock, warm because of the relationship. The person who is living in close relationship with God and is daily inviting God to hallow his name will naturally live a holy life in response. Holiness becomes the natural byproduct of a close personal relationship with God. God hallows his name through your Life through your obedience, through your desire to please and honor and, and bring glory to him every moment of every day. Uh, it, it just seems like we, we walk through this prayer and so many people might know it and recite it and, and uh, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and we just scoot right through it. This is, a, 
This is a, not just a, a statement of fact, it's a commitment to follow. Are, are you praying that for that holiness as you pray? Do, do, is that what you usually pray for? Do you usually pray for, for safety and, and for everything to work out right and for your life to go great for you and yours and, and to get, for you to get what you want and you need? I mean, that's fine to ask God for stuff. I, we're going we're gonna to get there in a couple of weeks, right, uh, in, in this prayer. It's included in prayer. We, we need to do, but first, before we ever consider those things, uh, Jesus invites us to pray with him, uh, uh, emphasizing that we have to be praying for holiness over happiness. John Wesley is said to have criticized members of the earth. Methodist, uh, one of the earliest Methodist societies uh, that, that, that he had established, he expressed doubt that these members were truly living lives of holiness because he said that they came to church to, quote, enjoy religion instead of to learn how they could become holy. I guess they were smiling too much. I don't know. They were enjoying that. They were there for the, for the, for the happiness, not necessarily the holiness. A.W. Tozer puts it this way. A man... And Tozer lived in a different generation, a man or woman, we can insert there, but we'll read it as he wrote it. A man may be considered spiritual when he wants to see the honor of God advance through his life, even if it means that he himself must suffer temporary dishonor or loss. Such a man prays, hallowed be thy name, and silently adds, at any cost to me, Lord. He lives for God's honor by a kind of spiritual reflex. Every choice involving the glory of God is for him already made before it presents itself. He does not need to debate the matter with his heart. There is nothing to debate. The glory of God is necessary to him. He gasps for it as a suffocating man gasps for air. Last week I told you, you, we're not just phoning it in when we pray this prayer, right? Well, asking God to hallow his name means that you want him to do that through you in your life at any cost. I mean, this is, this is not for the faint of heart. Gasping for his glory in your life as a suffocating man gasps for air. Are, are we doing that? I don't know that I'm always doing that. This, that attitude reveals a truth that I think is laying underneath this prayer, but isn't really said explicitly, but it's, it's kind of assumed, and, and maybe you already know it. Uh, I, I think we need to recognize it if we're praying the Lord's Prayer correctly, and, and, and here's, the, here's the thing. It's not about you. <laughs> Life is, is, is not about you. Maybe you've read uh, that... that, that amazing bestseller uh, from back in the day by Pastor Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life, starts out with those specific words. Chapter one, day one. I'll just read a, a little part of that day's reading to you. It says, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his, by his purpose and for his purpose. 
The search for the purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically begin with the wrong starting point, ourselves. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? Uh, What should I do with my life? What are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams for my future? But focusing on ourselves will never reveal our life's purpose. Many people try to use God for their own self-actualization, but that is a reversal of nature and is doomed to failure. You were made for God. God, not vice versa. And life is about letting God use you for his purposes, not your using him for your own purpose. That helps us get to the essence of praying, hallowed be thy name. It's not about me. It's, it's all about you. Glorify your name in my life. Dr. Roger Hahn put it this way, to pray that God's name be hallowed or sanctified is to pray that God's people will bring honor to his name by living holy lives. A prayer for God to hallow his name is a prayer for God to make you holy. Uh, He hallows his name through your life. You represent him in this world. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, the same Sermon on the Mount where, where we just read those words from this prayer in uh, chapter 6, uh, back in chapter 5. So, so uh, just a, a few points earlier in Jesus' sermon there on the Mount, uh, he, uh, he, he used some, he reminded his listeners of, the, uh, of their role as his representatives in the world. We're re- representing him in the world. He used a couple of, uh, of, of word pictures, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. First, he said, You are the salt of the earth and he says you know you need to stay salty uh you need to flavor the world with uh with the things of god then he says uh uh, the next verse down you are the light of the world you don't hide that light but you let it shine and then he says at the end of that passage in the same way let your light shine before others and here's here's the goal that they may see your good deeds and tell you how great you are because you are awesome. No, wrong, right? That they can see your good deeds and give you all that you, that they can see your good deeds and God will reward you for it. That they can see your good deeds and the whole purpose, the whole goal is that they will glorify our Father in heaven. They, they see what, what we do and how we live. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. Uh, only so that we can draw their attention to God. Salt and light are just a couple of metaphors there to emphasize uh, that, that, that we are representing God in the world. And, and verse 16 there makes it clear that it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about life here. It's about God. We're simply pointing people to God, that his name would be glorified. Maybe you've heard this phrase before, we live to love people to life. We're here to represent God to other people and to direct them to life with him, to love them so that they can experience life with him. So maybe as we pray with Jesus, we should be evaluating our life, not just quoting words, not just phoning it in. Maybe we should be evaluating our lives even as we're praying and asking ourselves uh, this question. If I truly invited God to hallow his name, How would my life need to change? We might need to pause right there as if we are praying the Lord's Prayer. If we're reading it off a plaque on the wall, maybe we need to just, uh, you know, 
take it a phrase or two at a time. And you get right there and, and you don't just move right on with the prayer, but, but, but it stops us in our tracks and says, okay, if God's going to hallow his name, what needs to change in me? Are there habits that aren't exactly holy? Are there reactions that, that haven't lived up to his character? When people encounter you, do they see God's holy character? I, that sounds daunting, right? Uh, but this isn't about you striving to, to uh, be, become this holy, spotless person. This is a, all about God's work in your life. We're not saying, God, I'm going to hallow your name. We're praying, God, hallow your name. Make me holy so that your reputation and your holiness shines through. We're simply opening up our lives to God's work and allowing him to create his image in us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be you. 